0: You're listening to For Ama, an audio storytelling series about Namibian women and healing. What does it mean to be healed? Is it not crying when talking about painful memories? Or is it forgiveness for those who have hurt you? Is healing something that happens through our relationship with God? Today, We question the definition of healing in an interview with a pastor. In a story about running away from home, prophetic dreams, and growing up in Kirtmansoor, she questions how hurt people can still be used by God. This is her story.
1: I'm from down south all the way from Ketmanswep. The dusty streets of Ketmanswep, that's where I hail from. I always had to be independent from a very young age. We grew up in a, in a house where domestic violence was the order of the day. We always had to flee for our lives, or we always had to protect my mother. My my younger brother's father used to beat the hell out of her. I can remember this one day when he he locked us all in the house and he opened the gas bottle and indicated that if any of us say something, is going to let the fire in. So we had to we had to live through that. We had to live through. Seeing my mother getting beaten up almost every other day, Um, it only ended when he stabbed my mother in the lungs and she ended up in hospital. I think my mother chose chose to find solace in alcohol. And so she was a good woman. She really took good care of us, but she... Um, she would find solace in alcohol. And I then had to, to, to learn how to become more independent. I then decided just to leave home. I left home. I left home and I started looking for a life outside Kitman's. I actually went to hitchhike and then one of the trucks passed by. And then, yeah, so I came to Ventuk. And that's, I came by truck at age 13, I think. For the first uh, few months, I went to stay at the house of this person that gave me a lift, the truck driver, with him and his wife and his daughters. And then I moved to my aunt's house and it didn't work out. And then I had to be moved from there to my sister's house. I had a different nature within me, a different way of doing things. And then I started to get into this things of drugs. So I moved from one house to another. So I didn't really have a stable environment. That's how I lived my years in Bentuk. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy because I had to do a number of things for survival. Of course, selling drugs. Being a domestic worker to my own sister, gambling with dice, a number of things that I know in today's society, if I look back at it, I wouldn't encourage anyone in today's life to take that path. I'm saying that because, for example, if you sell drugs to someone's child, that family, that parents start rejecting you because you're bringing something negative into into the lives of their children however for you it's about survival so you you don't take into consideration that you destroy someone else's life so you must already start learning what it means to survive without destroying other people's lives I even used to be a a pimp I'll set off guys, girls against guys just to get something you know and, and I didn't care what they're going through as long as it doesn't happen to me I never wanted to go home because I started to get comfortable with the life that I was living. I didn't feel like going home because I didn't wanted to go back and face the same old stories. Um, and still, my mother, she had another boyfriend that I didn't like. So it was just a lot of things that I knew touched on a nerve where I had to start thinking thinking about the process of healing from from my past and stop running away from home so i started a diary so when i write i would like express myself through journaling and really say how I feel in this one morning. I forgot my diary. So my sister got access to my diary, and she literally read everything that I said about them and whatnot. So when I came home that afternoon from school, they literally took a shambok and they, they beat me and, um yeah, chased me out. So... That's how I ended up back in Kitman's, and yes, still I was still involved in drugs and whatnot. Most of the things that I've gone through, I, I still didn't deal with. I just I just blocked it out. You know, back in the past, um, you each have a day where you have to cook or to clean the house, or so there's a little schedule for everyone. And this particular Sunday was mine. And I just didn't feel like it because obviously I'm high and I came back from the nightclub, um, drunk, drugged, and I just I just didn't want to do anything. And something within myself told me go to go to church and I dressed up. I can remember when I when I got to church. Of course it was all eyes on me, but I didn't care because I was drunk. I was wearing black boots, very short. You could see that this is not the normal church goer. But I was so confident because I knew I'm not here for anything other than getting some sleep, <laughs> you know. So um, I remember when I walked in, I could see that you 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 observe some people that are surprised, especially if you haven't been in church for a long time. And then you get those ones who look a little bit excited. Oh, finally she came to church. But I can remember when I when I when I walked through, there was a different. Um, I could I could feel a different level of atmosphere, calmness, um, and for me it was this is what I need, because I just want to sleep it off. So. Just by walking through the doors of the church and taking my seat next to the, the usher, it, it it was just a different feeling, a feeling that I cannot explain. But for me, I thought it is because I'm going to have my sleep. So if I think back on it now then it must be these feelings that people talk about when most probably the Holy Spirit, you know, it must be something extraordinary, something divine because I, I'm not able to explain it. And and I, I think I took a nap or I passed out. I don't know what happened, but of course I was tipsy. Not tipsy, drunk, really drunk. And the next moment I found myself in front of the altar. Now, apparently, and I don't know if this is true, but apparently, according to those who have been in church on that particular Sunday, when the invitation to Christian discipleship was extended to to the congregants, apparently I stood up. Now, my question is, as drunk as I was, how did I hear that? Apparently, I went to the front and I gave my life to Christ. I indicated that I want to get into the itinerant ministry. Becoming a pastor, how could that be? I never asked to be a pastor. I've been on the streets, enjoying my life, having fun, doing nightclubs, and just, just being me, you know. And one Sunday morning, it just happened. So when that moment happened, Um, the church moment happened for me interesting enough after i got saved at age 19 i now need to find different ways of doing things and um, the united nations children's fund had a program that time called my future my choice And that really resonated with me and and it it became my motto. So every time when I, every day when I wake up after prayer and I had it on, on my wall, on my mirror in the bathroom, I would read my future, my choice. One afternoon I was sleeping in my room and I just had this dream that my mother is crying and that she literally gave me to this one pastor. So in my dream I saw my mother telling this pastor, I don't have anything to give to you. All I have is my daughter and so I am offering my daughter to the church because I don't have any money or anything to give to you. And she led me to the front and let this pastor take my hand that was in my dream and then she kneeled down and she started crying at that moment I woke up and I went to her room and I literally found her on her knees um, praying and crying that was on the 31st of December 2003 so then I had to preach that evening a New Year's Eve sermon and whilst I was busy preaching, I saw my mother walking through the door for the first time. Um, she came into the church, she sat there at the back. And when I did the invitation for prayers, she came to the front and literally gave a testimony almost everything I dreamt. And she called up that pastor and then handed me to him so that is how my mother accepted and blessed me we had a few I think 2-3 months before we found out that she's very very ill and I had I, I literally had those 2 weeks before she passed on before I learned that she's not going to make it so I never had a chance for us to to restore our relationship or to bond because I thought that would now happen if and when I become a pastor. Just when I thought we're going to start building a relationship because in these three months she stopped drinking and and everything just changed. Um, and then these two, three weeks before she passed on, that's when we literally found out that she's, she's very sick. People expect us to grieve and get over death and whatnot. But with a mother, I don't know about siblings, I've lost two brothers, but with a mother, it's different. It's just different. You never really get over it. So what is the definition of healing? Um, Do we say healing is when you are able to talk about what you've gone through and you don't feel the pain anymore? You don't feel the pain, but you remember the experiences. Have I healed from all these experiences? I would most probably say it's a four because most of the things that I've gone through, I, I still didn't deal with. I just, I just blocked it out. We, we think ministry is for perfect people and serving people without problems. So I can easily relate to whatever people are going through because I'm coming from a background of survival and and I can easily give people hope and not only talk theory or theology but share my personal experiences with them don't allow people to determine how you need to heal Because no one, God has created us in such a way that no one would understand what you're going through, even though people would say, oh, I know what, I can relate, I know what you're going through. No, no, you will never know what I'm going through. You will never know how I feel. God has really created us uniquely so that we must be able to bring that connection back to my future, my choice. Do I get myself drowned into not healing? Do I get myself drowned into listening to how other people think I should heal? I would not want people out there to to narrate my story when it comes to my process of healing because they, I can fake it and say that I've healed and I can stand in front of people and preach a sermon that deals with healing and say, I've healed. But when I get back home, I have time with myself and nobody knows the secret storms that I'm going through. So I need to pick up those pieces again and sort it for myself. So my my concluding remarks would be cultivate stubborn faith and believe that whatever pain and trauma and tragedies you're going through, that eventually only you can take you out of that with the help of God and get you to the other side. It must be your future, your choice. It's you, uniquely you, confidently you, and only you can make it happen for yourself.
0: All interviews were recorded with the help of Sister Namibia, 99FM and the Alice Rowan Swenson Fellowship Foundation. 4Armor was created, written and edited by journalist and writer Amara Evering. Episodes were produced by Armand Jennings and all narration is done by Lachia Haufiku. We thank all participants brave enough to share their stories on this platform. All stories told in this series are from real people telling their real stories. However, for matters of privacy and safety, their identities will remain anonymous. Rights to this series belongs to Amara Evering and the Alice Rowan Swanson Fellowship Foundation. This is For Amar. That was For Amara, an audio storytelling series about Namibian women in healing.